Welcome to the Follow the Leaders podcast, where we get a glimpse into the minds and lives of exceptional leaders and hear about their experiences, insights, and strategies for success. On today's episode, we'll hear from one heart-centered, effective leader and hear about their wisdom and perspective. So get ready to follow along. Welcome to the Follow the Leaders podcast. I am your host, Jamie Gale, and today I am so happy to have Ellen Carlson, a truly compassionate community leader, join me on the show. Ellen Carlson is the executive director of Way Forward Resources, a nonprofit focused on creating food security and housing stability that serves more than 5,000 people a year. Way Forward Resources provides access to nutritious food and support that helps people stay in their homes. Ellen Carlson was named one of In Business Madison's 40 Under 40, a woman to watch by Brava Magazine, and has received a Governor's Service Award. Ellen got her start by serving in AmeriCorps Vista, developing and running after-school literacy programs. Since then, she has spent her career devoted to building a community where everyone can thrive. Ellen works to create a work environment where her team can mitigate the effects of poverty for people in our community, and she very recently led her organization through significant change. I personally live in the community that WayForward Resources serves, and I see the impact and the awareness that Ellen and her team build and create for so many families, and truly our whole community is so much better for it. Ellen leads a dynamic organization with robust volunteer programs and fundraising initiatives that is a leading resource in the Madison area for those in need of food and housing support. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Ellen. I am grateful that you've made the time to talk with me with everything else that you have going on, and I'm looking forward to learning more about your personal perspectives and experiences in leadership. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a generous opening. (laughs) You are very welcome. You deserve every word of that. Thank you. So let's start with your work life. Can you share with listeners a general picture of what that looks like? Being an executive director is an interesting job because it really changes every day. Sometimes I wonder, I wake up and I'm like, what is today going to be like? What is going to happen? I have this whole agenda of things I'm going to do, but I know that whatever is happening in our community and what is ever happening with our staff um, is going to influence that day a lot. So, you know, I really view my job as giving the guidance and direction and space that people need to do their jobs well. And so, as you can imagine, that just changes a lot. So my days are a whole variety of things. They're talking to other community members, community leaders, um, spending a lot of time talking with staff members, helping them brainstorm solutions, and also thinking about the kinds of things that they're encountering and what I can do to help the whole organization through some of those same things. So it's it's always a surprise and an honor, and it can be really challenging too. That is a very big job, and I totally understand about how it's sometimes you're you know working on the, the small tasks, and sometimes you're doing the big picture thinking and that whole juggling act. How did you step into this role? So my whole life, I've always wanted to do service. I went to school to become a doctor, which I think a lot of people who care about people think of right as like a career path. Um, I love science and I love questions. I love thinking about things. Um, I like problem solving. And about halfway through my undergraduate degree, I was like, I don't actually care about cellular biology very much. 
<laughs> and think maybe a different path is better. So I ended up with a psychology degree, which was interesting because um, the work I did there and the thinking that I did there was very much around like behavior and how people relate to things, how people make decisions was very interesting to me. And then after that was over, I thought, what am I going to do with myself? I knew I didn't want to become a counselor or a therapist. And I knew service was really important to me. So I decided to join AmeriCorps. And that kind of just led me on this path of thinking about what I can do every day to make and what you know skills I have and, and where my growth can lead towards making our community a better place. And so I spent 20 years, well, before I became executive director, I was here for 15 years, just kind of always helping the organization grow and kind of seeing what the next steps could be. And that led me to learn a lot about a lot of different things. Um, so when this job came about, um, our past executive director unfortunately passed away. And so the, the organization needed someone to be an interim director and asked if I would do that. And then that led to this position. So you said that one of your interest is the big questions and thinking through things in an organization where you have a million different things pulling your attention. Okay. So I heard this one interview with James Taylor, the musician on a podcast, and he said something like, it takes a lot of effort to have a long thought. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And that resonated with me completely. And so I'm just curious how you find time or if you're able to find time in this busy job that you have to ask the big questions and think through things. And certainly with this big change that I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, how do you create the space to have those long thoughts to ask the big questions? That is such a fantastic question and one that I struggle with. And I think probably a lot of other leaders and people who are just trying to figure things out struggle with. It has to be so intentional because if it's not, the busyness of the day-to-day can really overtake a schedule. And I also find myself thinking about the big questions as I weave in and out of my days because things are reinforced and conversations reinforce things and interactions reinforce those questions. Sometimes what I need to do is get in my kayak and go sit in the middle of the lake (laughs) or go for a walk and just try and even sort out what's in my head to think through how everything interacts with each other. I think that, you know, so many things that we work on are systemic issues and we can't fix those things, right? Mm -hmm. We can be parts of those changes, but we can't fix those things on our own. And also I feel like we have the obligation to make people aware of them and make sure that the way we operate our programs makes it inherently obvious that we understand those systemic issues exist. It's a little bit like it's always floating in my mind. And then sometimes I'm like, I need to step away and I need some, I need an afternoon. I need a couple days. I need to go sit in my kayak with a cup of coffee at seven o'clock in the morning. (laughs) That is the key, right? Is keeping in any organization, my work is really different from your work, but that is at the crux of it is keeping the the why behind the reasons Mm -hmm. that we're doing this work sort of at the forefront, even though it has to take the back seat so often when the day-to-day things come up. And I, you know, it's something that I'm continuing 
to learn every day. And so I'm, I, I appreciate your determination to get into that kayak <laughs> <laughs> so we can all take a lesson there and, you know, really value that time is not time off, but like yes. time for our brains to process all of the day-to-day things. Yeah. I really struggled with that, especially in my early days in this position, because everybody needed something. Everyone always needs something. I mean, I think that's, you know, the position, right? Because if people can solve it on their own, they will. <laughs> and if they need a different perspective or they need some sort of direction. So that's just like always there. And I would feel guilty about stepping away. And I have learned that it's what I need sometimes. And but protecting that time is a challenge. <laughs> yes, uh, it's a work yes. in progress, I'm sure. Always, I'm sure. always. So that you bring up a really good point about how so much of what impacts your day-to-day life is systemic and outside of your control. Mm-hmm. And so I think all leaders have sort of the balance between the goals of the organization and the needs of the individuals in the organization and how sometimes mm-hmm. those conflict. But it's almost like you have a third party to this dynamic. <laughs> yeah. It's so much that's systemic. It probably changes with each election and with mm-hmm. each new set of legislators. I'm just curious, what light can you shed on how you balance that? I mean, I, I'm a very curious person. I'm always trying to sort of understand how things work and understand people. You know, I, staff members especially have so, I have the most incredible staff and they think so hard about things and they work so hard to um, create a better organization and a better experience for people. We often talk about the fact that things are messy Mm -hmm. and that things don't become clear on their own, right? And that you have to take the time to sit in messiness and have conversations about things being messy and I really value the experiences that people have and their perspectives and their ideas. So there's not a clear answer to that other than that keeping myself open to perspectives and ideas and how people influence that. I mean, it's been really interesting. People have always told me along the way, like, oh, you're a leader. But I was always like, I don't really even know what that means, right? But I must have this thing that makes me a leader. And then I became a leader. And I was like, wow, this is a lot. This is hard. (laughs) This is its own thing. Yeah. Right? Like it's its own thing outside of understanding issues or creating Mm -hmm. processes. Being a leader is an incredible responsibility to the people that are within your circle and that you're working with. And they all have perspectives, right, on what's happening and what's happening in the community and their needs to be able to continue to do that work. So it's really, for me, everything kind of comes back to that curiosity and that listening. With the team that you currently have, Mm -hmm. is this a team that you put together through staffing or is this a team that you inherited? Yeah. And that I worked with. So there's a couple of people who are still here from the time, you know, we were on staff together and the organization has grown a tremendous amount in the past couple of years and we've more than doubled our staff. And so that just creates 
different roles and processes and dynamics. But for the most part, the majority of the staff is new in the last few years. So you talked about how this team you have right now also has a high capacity for tolerating Mm -hmm. the mess and for asking the right questions and for thinking really hard about the important things. And I'm just curious, as the person who makes decisions about who is on the team, how do you, before they have even gotten started, you know, that's a challenge, right? Like when we're bringing people into our team, how do you sort of suss that out in, in making sure that your team is filled with the right kinds of people? Yeah, that's a great question. We've been really transparent about who we are and what we value. So I always have conversations right away with staff members. And this is after they've been hired. So I can, I'll go back and talk about before. But one of the first things I talk about with people is that if people aren't trying new things and making mistakes and bringing their own past experiences to the table, that we're missing out. Mm. And I am very transparent about my own mistakes and very vulnerable about the things I try and don't work and the help I ask for and the feelings that I have around messiness. And because I think it's not fair for people to feel when we're in those situations that it's wrong or they're alone or it's because of some outside force or something somebody else is doing right? That like, we're all in this together and we're all, we're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to try things. And some of those things are going to work and sometimes they're not. And I really, really value, and I talk about this in the interview process too, that I never want to do the same thing tomorrow unless we've chosen to do it that way. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Because just because we did it, I would hope that we've always are thinking, was that the best way? How did that go? Did that really work? Maybe I want to try it again. Or maybe I'm like, no, that doesn't work at all. We need to try it again. And we have to be thoughtful because we have so many volunteers and all these other staff members, right? You can't just like change things all the time. And, (laughs) and people in the community have expectations and about how they can interact with us. And our clients come to us looking for stability, right? So we can't just be changing everything all of the time. (laughs) So you have to balance it. And also, I am ready to be wrong all the time. I want people to challenge things that I say. And I want people who are willing to be challenged as well. So when we talk about all of that with potential candidates, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right, they also reflect on that. So we get that as part of an interview process. But I do think that it's an important piece of our culture and that a lot of people that have come to um, join us have done so sometimes because they know other people who have know about us as an organization or know other people on staff. And so um, I'm told (laughs) that there's a little bit of a reputation there as well, right? That like, that's the kind of work that we're doing. And so I'm hoping that we also attract people. And I think we have that are so invested in making things better that they're willing to give new things a try. And that doesn't mean it's wrong because we're doing something new. It doesn't mean that you failed or that you did the wrong thing, right? That, but that it's mm-hmm. that we tried something and it didn't turn out exactly the way we thought it was going to. So let's try it again. 
grow and evolve. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose if you're really super transparent about that right from the get-go, even before somebody is on the team, then you're going to kind of attract the people who are excited about that. Yeah. And the people that that does not gel with, or they kind of want a yeah. more routine picture that they'll just sort of self filter out. Yeah. Which is totally fair. Right. Totally. I mean, I think yeah. that I've had some people say, okay, like I'm probably not the person who's going to come up with all the new ideas, but I'm like ready to be on board with trying it. And also it's been fun to watch people sort of discover themselves, like their own piece Mm -hmm. of this journey. I mean, and I always am too, right? I mean, we learn every single day. It's fun to learn together. So speaking of new ideas, until very recently, your organization had a different name. It was called Middleton Outreach Ministry. And I believe that was the name since its inception. Mm -hmm. It was. So you just led your team and now the community Mm -hmm. through a massive change. And I'm just curious how you guided your team and now the community through that, knowing that your job was to manage all the pieces of it and be so that sort of the steadfast it's going to be okay through the change yeah. leader. <laughs> and so yeah what strategies did you use tell us about that yeah well thankfully i do have incredible staff members who took care of a lot of the details so that made a huge difference because i think having to do the day-to-day like I had a lot of tasks to do, obviously, but the keeping of the spreadsheet and the moving through was um, another tremendous staff member. So we, we obviously all worked really closely together. That was helpful, too, because I felt like I could really focus on the other piece mm-hmm. and the sort of keeping us all sort of energetically moving forward, right? Because it's hard. It changes. Even if it's something you want, it is mm-hmm. difficult. and. Mm-hmm. It was really important along the way for us to be transparent, right, about what the process was, about who was involved in it, how the decisions were being made. And I remember so clearly when we told the staff, so there were some staff that were involved in the choosing of the new name, the whole process involved with that, and some board members. Um, And we'd worked with a consultant and we'd done, they did tons of interviews with different stakeholders Mm -hmm which was a really wonderful process because we learned, I feel like I learned so much about our organization, right? Through other people's words. But when we brought the pieces along the way to the staff, everyone was like, yeah, we're so excited. And then we brought the new name. Like that's a lot to you. These are people Mm -hmm. who live and breathe this name. They say it a million times a day. They've chosen to invest their energy and their life in this organization and in the work that we're doing which I just take so seriously, right? Like that's, you're giving a huge piece of yourself to this mission. So bringing this new name, it was like, okay, I'm expecting that people are going to feel odd about it. And it was really important to me to, that people knew that when we came up with the name, I felt funny about it too, right? Like I mm-hmm. had expected in my mind, I was like, it's going to be like fireworks. <laughs> I'm going to hear this new name. And it's going to be, you know, ribbons and streamers coming from the (laughs) ceiling. And that's not what it is, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that's not, I mean, when does a big change happen that we ever have streamers coming from the ceiling, even if it's great, (laughs) right? right? Like like, that's not realistic. And so I had to go through that and it took me time to sit with it 
And so I really wanted people to have the opportunity to feel that way. And we did this exercise at both the board meeting and the staff where we gave people all the information. And then I had people write down um, one word about how they were feeling just to recognize that people were going to have emotions about it, even if it didn't mean they liked or disliked the name. I love it. And that they would have an opportunity to sit with it and that we would ask for feedback but we really wanted people to like go home and have some time with it. And I feel like giving people that opportunity to express their emotion about it allowed for people to be present without feeling like they had to make a decision about how they felt, right? Like in the long term. And then I think the other piece of leading the community through it, and this was something that the staff and board already felt, so it was really easy just to share it with the community was that we were really doing this because we really wanted a better experience for the people that we served. And that was the primary reason we were making the change because we knew from lots of data that it was very confusing for people. We weren't a ministry any longer, Mm -hmm. right? Like that was a piece of us at the beginning of the organization and we've evolved over 40 some years. We have many faith communities who are very involved But in the sense of the word that a lot of people would come across the word and understand it, that wasn't what we were. And we didn't only serve Middleton. And so it was just a giant barrier for people in the community. We know that people, people thought that we only served moms. That still happens. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And we can't control what people think, but I was like, if we have a name Mm -hmm. that expresses what we are doing and the services and resources that we provide for people, that's the first step, right? And them Mm -hmm. feeling welcome. And once we shared that with people, even people who have felt so strongly about the name, it's been part of their lives for 40 years. Maybe they've been volunteering from like their entire life that they've lived in Middleton, right? I understand that's like a huge piece of people. And also once they understood that it was about making sure that people could connect with our work and that they could get what they needed, like, of course. Totally. Yeah. And, and having been one of the recipients of the public side of this news, I just want to really commend you for the very clear communication that you and your team put out. Thank you. And I appreciate as a community member that while I understand there was a deep process put into gaining feedback from people behind the scenes that it was presented in such a clear and confident Mm. way. It was unapologetic. It was clear. (laughs) It was like, this is what we're doing. You made it so clear that the offerings that you were, that your organization was continuing to do were unchanged, that it was simply about how you were communicating what you were offering. Yeah. It was done so beautifully and with such confidence. And so I really think that that, whether there was doubts and questions and, you know, all of that behind the scenes, it was presented with such confidence. And it just was a reminder to me as a community member and also a leader that sometimes we do have to come out unapologetically Mm -hmm. with our decisions and really stand proudly with them because it sends the message to everybody else that, no, we're, we're good with this. You know, this is exciting and positive and beautiful and you know, the new sign that you guys already put up and it all looks so wonderful. And I also wanted to mention that 
what you did with your team about allowing them to identify their feelings. Like This is why you are such a well-respected and compassionate leader, because you understand that not only does your organization serve humans, but there are humans mm-hmm. in the organization. And I think that that I could totally see a different situation where a decision is made about a new name. It is sort of just fed to the team. Here's what we're doing. Go run with it. Yeah. And not necessarily out of callousness, but just out of like process. This is what's happening. And I really appreciate you explaining that you did that because it's such a good reminder that any change that we make as leaders, it impacts them as humans. And so that was that was really beautiful. So thank you for sharing yes, that. Yes, absolutely. So what is a leadership lesson that you have learned the hard way? <laughs> Every single <laughs> one of them. <laughs> I mean that sincerely because I am such an information person. I think like I immediately, you know, all of a sudden I'm having like all of these people who, you know, need me to give direction or guide through values or people have opinions and thoughts on how things should be. And I welcome all that information. And that's a lot of information Mm -hmm. and a lot to manage. And so it took me a really long time to sort of understand what my role was in that milieu. And I was thinking about this before we were talking, because as a person who's like, I went like looking for books and podcasts and, you know, like this and listening to people talking and just trying to understand what my role was. And I think that it took me a long time to realize that who I am as a person is actually the most important piece of how I show up as a leader, but there's no way to learn all of that unless you do it. Mm-hmm. And that is painful <laughs> and lonely at times. And also it's such an incredible responsibility And I care about all these people so much. And I care about the community members who come here. And there's just, that's just a lot to all figure out, but you can't do it unless you can't learn it from someone else. You have to continue to reflect and question yourself and your responses and also trust your gut. Mm -hmm. I think that that piece of things, trusting my gut was the hardest thing to learn because I felt like there was a certain way I was supposed to be responding to things or a certain, I'm sure someone wrote a book on how I'm supposed (laughs) to answer this question or have this conversation with somebody. And certainly there's so much to learn and I love learning about it and rethinking things. But most of the things I've learned the hardest have been because I haven't trusted my instinct as to how people were going to respond to a change or how something I wanted to do was really actually going to work. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I did it because I had other people telling me it was the right thing to do. And I was like, well, they've done this for longer or they've done this in a different organization. They probably know better. And of course there's always something to learn from all of that. But you also then have to filter it through what is my experience here with these specific people and these specific situations? And what does my gut tell me is the right thing to do? Um, I definitely learned all those things the hard way. Fair enough. Well, and it's like in having the confidence to go with what your gut is telling you. It's yes. almost like, 
as I'm listening to you sort of share these perspectives, which I completely relate to and also appreciate learning from, it's this balance that you have found or are finding between the questioning and the curiosity with the confidence uh, that you have the answer, that you can proceed one step at a time. So yeah, that balance between questioning and confidence, I think that's one of the greatest challenges, right? It is. It's one of the biggest challenges for sure. And I have had to really step into that confidence because I will question myself all day long. And also what people need me to do is make decisions and move forward. The balance of maybe if I just had a little bit more information or what if there's one more model out there? But I think what I have figured out along the way is something we've already talked about in that whole, I'm not always going to get it right. Mm -hmm. This isn't the last time we're going to do this. So what if we try it and we do it? And if we tell people we're going to discover things in this process, and so maybe we'll try it a different way next time, right? And we want to hear what your experience is with this process. I think that has allowed me to have more confidence because it's not about all knowing. I mean, I think there's this idea. I remember someone walking into my office the day after I became the interim executive director. They're like, I have a question for you. What should we do about this situation? And I was like, you're asking me that question? Like, I'm (laughs) supposed to have an answer to that? And so it's taken some time to be like, okay, well this is the role I'm in. So I'm going to take all the experience that I have and ask the questions that I have, and I'm going to help make this decision, right? I'm going to ask you a ton of questions because you're probably no more than I do. And I'm going to filter it through my own experiences and my own understanding of this organization. And we're just going to give it a go Mm -hmm. (laughs) and move on. Totally. One thing that is often on my mind is the phrase, if I would have known then, If I would have known what I know now then. And so I'm curious on that day one, the day before that person asked you that question, when you stepped into that, you're at the time interim executive director role, what would you go back and tell yourself now if you could? Are there any messages that you'd give yourself from that day one? I think the biggest thing would be that if things don't go perfectly, you haven't failed. And I think that's something I'm still learning And I think it's probably something most leaders struggle with. Mm -hmm. I think that not really internalizing that and not that I've completely internalized it now, but I think I spent a lot of energy feeling like I was not accomplishing things or that things were not good. And the funny thing is, is that I would never say that to another staff member. We're always harder on ourselves than we are to other people. When people come to me and have like, oh, that didn't work. I'm like, oh yeah, like what did we, that, that's a bummer. Like what did we learn? Like what did we learn from that? Let's think about how we could do it differently next time. It's just something to do with you as a person, right? But I would find a way to be less hard on myself because, you know, people, and this is what I tell them all the time. See, I'm teaching myself things as I say this. I tell people all the time, like people still got food. People still stayed in their housing. Yeah. Those are the most important things. And those things still happened today, right? They happened yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before, even though that one thing didn't work. 
So I think we're just so hard on ourselves as people and I'm not a perfect human and I'm certainly not any more perfect at home than I am here, right? Like we all make (laughs) mistakes. Yeah. I wish I'd just be more gentle with myself. Well, let's, let's like set a reminder in our phones for that. Right. That's a great idea. (laughs) Yes. And going forward. Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. I'll say it to, I'll remind myself five years from now that I'm saying this today. <laughs> totally, totally. When we have a, a next conversation where you talk about the next major yes. you led your organization through, I'll, I'll be like, so how's that going? How's it going? <laughs> I need people to remind me. Yeah. All right. Good. We can do that for each other for sure. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I have a few last questions as we wrap up. All right. It's a little bit more rapid fire. Is there someone that you can shout out who believed in your ability to lead and be a leader maybe before you even believed in it? I have so many friends who, when I got this role, were like, you've already got this. Like you're, you're already, this is your, this, you've been working at this organization for forever and you have the heart and determination and I am just eternally grateful for all of my close friends. I would hate to even point out one of them because there's so many yeah, of no, them. Totally fair. <laughs> totally yeah, totally fair. Yeah, they're just, they still today, like I, the number of times I have, you know, sat around someone's fire or gone for a walk and I'm like, okay, help me walk through this. And the advice that they give, but also just the confidence they have that like, like yeah, you've got this yeah. uh, means the world to me. Well, they know who they are. They do. (laughs) They do. (laughs) Next question. Is there personally one tool or strategy that you use to stay organized Mm -hmm. through all of the processes that you go through? I have had a million different things, but I have to give a shout out to uh, The Remarkable. Do you know about The Remarkable? I don't. It is. So I'm a paper person. I mean, if you saw my desk right now, you'd see lists and things (laughs) everywhere. And I have so many lists going on, right? Because there's so many different pieces of this organization that I'm involved in, right? Whether it's from board stuff to systemic, understanding systemic issues to Mm -hmm. procedures to finance and, you know, building operations. Like there's just so many different pieces of things. And I used to have like notebooks that were full of like tabs and lists. And then I moved to Trello. I tried that for a while. And then I discovered the remarkable, which is basically a notebook that you, it's a digital notebook, but you write on it. It feels like a piece of paper, but it has like an infinite number of notebooks. So it has like a a system where you can go and say, I'm going to go into my work notebooks and I'm going to go into my you know, and you can drag PDFs to it and you can mark them up and you can send your notes places. But it is absolutely, without a question, saved my brain. Wow! And so, is it on like an iPad? It's ca- it's its own de- it? it's its own device, and it has its own oh. pen, and it feels like it's the closest to writing on paper I have ever found. And it awesome. you can change the pen weights because I really like a really dark pen weight. Like I'm like a one point two kind of gal. Okay. <laughs> okay. A special order my pens because <laughs> they need to be dark. <laughs> I understand. I have a very specific pencil that I write in my daily, you know, thing. So I, I, I completely relate. <laughs> All right. Last question. If you had a day off, like totally off where you couldn't accomplish anything, you couldn't take care of any tasks, 
what is one activity that you would do in the Madison area and one place that you would go for something delicious to eat? Well, I would probably, if I could, I would hang out with my two sons who are a freshman and a senior in high school. So I feel time slipping away as they transition. Mm -hmm. Um, we love, I love hanging out with them more than anything. It's so fun to see them becoming who they are. If I'm by myself, it's like, you just had to go on your own. I'm probably, and it's summer, I'm definitely kayaking someplace. I'm not fast. I'm not trying to get anywhere. I just, there's something about being on the water that takes whatever like stress I'm feeling like down it's like almost instant and where would I go eat I mean I definitely would start at a coffee shop I would end up at I live on the east side of Madison so I frequently end up at like Bloom Bakery or Cafe Domestique or Ledger or Victory like I do love coffee in the morning (laughs) and then recently I've been discovering the tacos at the Ohio bar are unbelievably delicious. This is what I've heard. I know. I'm almost afraid to say it out loud because (laughs) you can walk in there still and get tacos. And I'm so afraid it's going to become crazy busy, but they're just unbelievably delicious. And they're so affordable. Right. So like, I feel like my whole family can go there and just get tacos and it feels great. Awesome. Well, I'm yeah. wishing you that exact day coming up soon sometime. <laughs> thank you. Ellen, thank you so much for talking with me today on the show. I appreciate all of your knowledge and your perspective and your wisdom and your prompt to be curious. And I just am so grateful that you shared this time with me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Follow the Leaders podcast. Again, I'm your host, Jamie Gale. Thank you so much to Ellen Carlson from Way Forward Resources for joining me today. And we'll be back with another inspiring story soon. Follow the Leaders is produced by Lit Path Studios and music is by Shane Ivers. You can hear more about this show and all the other podcasts at Lit Path Studios by going to www.litpathstudios.com. <laughs>